Hi, I'm James Jacobson. And I'm Pamela Lawrence. Welcome to Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. If you like what you hear today, follow Dog Edition in your favorite podcast app. Just click that little button and follow Dog Edition so you never miss an episode. So Pam, as we grow out our team here at Dog Podcast Network, we have this team that that we die affectionately call Team Dog. We have people all over the world who are helping to make these shows. And I've noticed that there are a couple things. Obviously, everyone on our team loves dogs, but they're also foodies. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's so fun. That myself included. I'm I'm a foodie. <laughs> Which is appropriate because today we are talking about a delicacy that many foodies really adore. And we're talking about truffles. Not the chocolate kind. Yes, the kind that grow in the dirt under you know the roots of trees and have to be sniffed out by dogs. Yeah, so we actually have a colleague who works on the audio team who lives in Croatia and Truffles are very common in Croatia. You, you've been there. You've tasted them. They right? are amazing. I have. I went to Croatia, and the truffles are amazing, and they do actually combine them in truffles into amazing chocolate. But today, we're just talking about the, the truffle truffle. Right. And not just any truffle, but a truffle that grows in Northern California. And I got to go to a farm and meet this family of farmers who are cultivating truffles in the area. And better still, I got to meet the dogs that hunt for these truffles. That's in the first segment. So a few weeks ago, we did a story about Martha Teichner, who's a CBS News correspondent's new book. It's one of those only in New York kind of stories. It's kind of Nora Ephron-ish. And listeners really loved it. Now you figure... One of those New York stories only comes by, you know, once in a blue moon. Well, maybe we have a blue moon this month because it turns (laughs) out that we have another one. And that is in our second segment. Ooh, lightning strikes twice. We also have a new feature today. Uh, Jim, do you want to do you want to reveal what that's going to be? It's the hydrant. You know how when you walk your dogs, they sniff those hydrants because they're leaving messages for each other. Yes. Well, we're going to try to bring that into reality on on Dog Edition today. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk. We've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk? Somewhere, let's say north of San Francisco, California, but not all the way to the Oregon border, the Alexander Valley Truffle Company is working to make truffles as ubiquitous in the region as the well-known grapes and wines. Once gracing the tables of royalty across Europe centuries ago, this highly sought-after delicacy is shrouded in mystery. The location of the Alexander Valley Truffle Company is a closely guarded secret. They're cultivating the finicky fungus in their orchards, and they're patiently waiting these fairy apples, as they're called, to grow underground. And when time comes, they will be ready, because the best way to find a truffle is to employ a special dog, a Lagotto Romagnolo, a truffle hunting dog, and they have five of these dogs. A couple of weeks ago, on a windy morning, I drove north to meet Fran Angerer, the patriarch of this family-run company. He and one of his sons, Seth, agreed to take me on a mock truffle hunt to see their dogs at work. Hi! How are you? Good. 
Oh my gosh, I'm such a city girl. I can sit and look at your chickens all day. Oh yeah. On this farm, they're hoping to grow the tuber melanosporum, or black truffle. In France, this is known as the black paragord. It's prized by chefs. There are over 1,500 trees here inoculated with the spores of the black truffle. In the wild, the truffle is part of the root system. It's a symbiotic relationship between the host tree and the fungus. Seth Angerer. So when you're cultivating them, you buy inoculated trees. So the trees are raised in a laboratory in a, in a slurry of inoculum, which is the uh, spores. And once they take hold and they can prove that that tree is now inoculated, then you take the tree. You plant it and then you cross your fingers. Fran Angerer. The creation of the fruiting body is still a mystery. Nobody knows what causes a fruiting body to form. Um, this orchard here is, will be nine years old this year. No truffles. The same trees from the same source one year before, and they've been producing now for three years. It's still a mystery. Since these mysterious truffles haven't made an appearance in this orchard yet, Fran planted truffle targets before I got there so I could see how the dogs find them. I was pretty excited about meeting the dogs. My dog, Tuber, was our first Legoto. Um, we got her in 2014 as a puppy. She was 12 weeks old. She's got a, uh, she's a purebred Legoto. Oh my gosh, hello. That's Tuber, she's the mama. While truffles are a family affair for the Angerers, they're also a family affair for these Lagoda Romagnolos. And the matriarch, Tuber Gianna, was born to hunt truffles. And at 16 weeks, we took her into the forest up in Oregon, and she found 30 truffles her first time, her first day. The Lagota seems to have a, a nose for truffles, and that's what they're known for is, uh, they're known as the truffle dogs. Her pups, Vito and Bella, joined us on the hunt. Luke stayed up at the house being more of a family dog. They're all successful at finding truffles, though. I also got to meet Seth's dog, Leo, a hardworking and focused Lagoto who came from a championship bloodline. Leo, he either loves you or hates you. Okay. So you'll know, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure he keeps his distance. And the other thing is, when he's working, if I'm down on my hands, you know, if I'm doing this on the ground, yeah. and he's kind of behind me, yeah. and somebody approaches, he might be protective, so. Safety overview completed. It was time to hunt. Come on, girls, are we gonna go to work? Where's the truffle? Come on, where's the truffle? These dogs Come may on, work hard, but they are cute where's as can be. They have short, woolly curls, a lavish beard, pensive-looking eyebrows, and whiskers. Where's the truffle? Okay, watch, watch, watch. When Tuber finds a truffle, she gently paws the ground to show where it is. Oops, hey, sit. Good girl, good girl. I know, Tuber, it's there, huh? She says, I know it's there, Dad. Where's my treat? Fran pulls a giant bag of dog biscuits from a pocket and gives Tuber her reward for a job well done. Now it's Leo's turn. Leo, where is it? Check. Leo, check. Leo, Leo, check. When check. Seth tells Leo to check a spot, he watches carefully for Leo's subtle signal. A shift of the head, a paw tap on the ground. Any display of interest may mean Leo detects a truffle underground. You'll be walking and all of a sudden you'll notice a behavior change. Basically, their head goes from, it just gets focused. If they, their head will move and they'll start looking at a certain area, 
you might dig down a, tr a truffle that's been growing there is basically part of the soil you can't see it you know because it's covered in mud mm, so like you'll be digging around and then if you can't find it you'll ask the dog and the dog will kind of pinpoint it yeah. so they'll go back in the hole and they'll show you again where show it might me. be show me and it could be I've dug down before and made a hole 10 inches wide can't find it can't find it and I'm an inch off you know it's like oh no it's over here sorry oh <laughs> all right Leo, where is it these four dogs were on leashes right and I wondered if that's how they always hunted or if it was because I was in their workspace most hunters hunt on a leash uh, I like hunting here I can let these two off leash and they I've got them trained that's how I trained tuber was off leash and she's pretty good. She'll range 25, 30 yards around me. Wow. Because you want to be able to keep an eye on them so you can see when they Find mark. Yeah. yeah. Legoti, plural for Legoto, date back to at least Renaissance Italy. They were bred as waterfowl retrievers. Lago is Italian for lake. Yeah, well, you thirsty? But when the marshlands of Romagna in northeastern Italy were drained and turned into arable land, the Legoto evolved from being a water dog to being a truffle hunter. They are the only dog specifically bred for this purpose. Where is it? A dog will mark the spot and the handler will use a blade to carefully dig four to six inches underground, smell the dirt because a ripe truffle will have a distinct odor, and then sift through the dirt to find the truffle, which may be as small as a pea or as big as a one pound ball. And if there's a good ripe truffle there, Look, 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 look. There's a good girl. Finding such a large truffle is rare, but when you do, the reward is great. The current per pound market price in the U.S. for fresh commercial quality tuber melanosporum is between $600 and $900. It's the reason the locations of truffle farms and wild truffle hunting plots are kept so secret. At, in Spain and Italy and places that produce... They have people cut their fences and bring trained dogs in overnight, and they'll harvest, they'll harvest as much as they can. So that was partially about the mention of security was, you know, it's like you don't want to broadcast the location of a hot spot because people will, you know, unfortunately yeah. take advantage of it. Yeah. Leo spotted a jackrabbit racing across the orchard. It was enough of a distraction that we decided to call it a day for the dogs. Fran and Seth invited me up to their barn to tell me more about the fascinating history of truffle hunting and why truffle hunters prefer to use the Legoto Romagnolo dogs instead of pigs, which had been used at one time. Try loading a 300-pound pig into your pickup truck. The other thing is pigs will bite your finger off in competition of the truffle. So, yeah, dogs you can train. Dogs are... They, they're... Domestic. They love humans. They work with you. They want to please you. Whereas a pig is a pig, and pigs are great. I'm not talking down on pigs. It was the truffle spots in the for wild forests in Europe were tightly kept secret. Yeah. And they would hunt for the truffles at night. The truffle hunters would. And in the family, the father wouldn't even pass down the information of where their spot was until he was ready to die. Then he would pass it on to his sons. Yeah and say, this is where we get the truffles. And they would hunt them at night because they knew people would follow them because they knew they were truffle hunters. And it was especially hard when you were walking your pig down the road 
because they know exactly what you're going. <laughs> a pig on a leash and an old guy, that's a truffle hunter. Now, in Northern California, you're unlikely to see a truffle hunter walking a pig down the street. Truffles are a nascent industry here. This area is more well-known for its vineyards and award-winning wine production. But wine wasn't what Fran had in mind when he bought this property. The land was perfect, so so they say. And so we bought this place. It was all grapes. We tore all the grapes out and planted these trees. Wow, that's a bold move around here, pulling grapes <laughs> yeah. A very bold move, and one that may take years to yield any results. The humans may have that kind of patience, but the dogs? They are a working breed, and working breeds are a different breed. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they, need, they need a job. So the Alexander Valley Truffle Company came up with a solution. We contract the dogs out to other producing, and there aren't that many. (laughs) There's a lot of potential for truffles to hit big in this foodie region once the area starts producing. Every truffle you consume in the United States, for the most part, is imported. So it's harvested, cleaned, grated, packaged, all that, and that all takes time. Then it's shipped, and it has to go through customs, and then it's like by the time you get it, it might already be done, you know? Like, I think the value of the local truffles will be even greater than imported truffles because they're fresh. They're the most fresh. You can get them day of. And that day, I did get some truffles, along with a bounty of fresh eggs. All right, you want to grab a uh, bowl and we'll scramble these up? Fran recommended I put some of the eggs in a sealed container along with a truffle for some subtly flavored truffled eggs. And oh my God, let me tell you, I hope truffles proliferate in the region. What do you have to deal with with truffles? You've got to deal with walking in the woods with dogs, eating very good meals, and drinking wine. Oh, cheese, too. There's a lot of truffles on cheese. What's wrong with that, you know? That's a good life right there. That's a heck of a good life. Mmm. Mmm. You can definitely taste the truffle. Mmm. <laughs> That's good. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will hear a reunion story that is so good. It's ready-made for the silver screen. You're listening to Dog Edition. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. It's a strange thing to do, sprinkle this powder on my food, but I wouldn't have it any other way. My time with you is precious and irreplaceable, and I'm thrilled to be with you for as long as possible. Here's to puppy playtime and senior snoozes. <laughs> no matter how old I get, I want my ever pup. It just makes me feel good in this life and the next, and the next, and the next. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S., 
Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup, every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition. It's been said that New York is a city with 8 million stories, and this next one could have been conjured up from the mind of Nora Ephron herself. It starts on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, a neighborhood bordered by Central Park to the east and Riverside Park to the west. Tara Durrington had always wanted a dog, a feeling that was amplified during the isolation of the pandemic. I don't have family here. Most of my friends left pretty early on um, or were too far away to see. And so I started to really think about getting a dog and it's been a goal of mine for a while. And, you know, really the only thing that was ever stopping me was my job. And here I was working remotely and I was like, if I can't make it work now, I'm never going to make it work while living in New York City. She knew what she was looking for, too. I was looking for a dog that would stay around 25 pounds when full grown. You know, I do live in New York City and you want to be able to take them places that's reasonable and I would have to put them in a bag. But Tara wasn't the only New Yorker thinking along those lines, something that she found out when she went to apply for a rescue dog. There were not enough dogs to go around. But Tara was undeterred. One night, it was probably around 7 or 8 p.m., I was like, you know what, I'm just going to check Pet Finder one time and then I'm going to sign off. And I saw two dogs that looked extremely cute. I thought, I'm going to have to pick them up in New Jersey, but that is fine. At this point, I will get a dog from anywhere. She began to strategize because she wanted to optimize her chances for getting a dog. And I saw that they were from the same rescue, so I was like, I will apply for them both. Maybe I'll get one. The next morning, Tara had an email waiting for her from Dr. Doolittle's rescue ranch. One of the dogs that she applied for could be hers. It was a young male mix Tara now calls Leo. She was told that the second dog was going to someone else. Her plan had worked. Tammy, the owner of the rescue, called Tara to discuss the details of the adoption. And she goes, great, yeah, the dog is yours. And uh, once he's completely vaccinated and neutered, we will send him your way. And I was like, send him my way? And she's like, oh yeah, we're in Texas. And I was like, not New Jersey? And she was like, nope, and we deliver to your door. Three weeks into having Leo, Tara decided to take him to the groomers. Well, that fateful decision started her on a path of discovery. The groomers required proof of vaccination and Leo's rabies tag was missing from his paperwork. So she called Tammy in Texas. And I said, hey, it looks like the rabies tag was not included. I see a piece of tape here as if it was meant to be placed in this little envelope, but it's not. And she goes, oh, shoot. Okay, well, we'll we'll send that to you. And I was like, great. That wasn't the only bit of information that Tara got from Tammy that day. And then on the phone, she tells me that uh, the dad had been adopted and lived in the same zip code as well. I had no other details at the time, but I said, who was the dad? And she goes, oh, his name was Cheech. I don't know his name now. And that's when I realized that I had applied for father and son and had adopted the son. This was an interesting bit of information, and Tara wondered if she and Leo would run into Cheech around the neighborhood. After all, it was the same zip code. 
She knew what he looked like from his online adoption profile when she had applied for him, but it seemed unrealistic that she'd come across him in such a populated city. That phone call also yielded another interesting bit of information. She sent me a photo and said, well, Leo's brother was just surrendered as well. Do you have anyone who would possibly want to adopt a dog? She did. Anne Sachs, a co-worker, had been looking for a dog to adopt for more than a year. Tara sent her a picture of the dog, Murray, and Anne agreed to adopt him on the spot. It just so happens that Anne also lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And so in that conversation, I found out not only was Leo's dad here, but his brother was also coming, which was exciting. Reuniting the dogs seemed inevitable. They were now all living in the same zip code. Tara just needed to track down Leo's dad. So she looked for him at the two neighborhood dog parks. She looked for him on dog walks around the block. I just kind of kept looking for this tricolor, shaggy-looking dog. And then, on a chilly day in January during a quick break, a possible breakthrough happened. We walk outside for a quick potty break between my meetings. I'm not even wearing a coat. We come back around to enter the apartment, and Leo sees this dog at the tree. And he greeted this dog like like no other. And he immediately was so excited and kind of like jumping on him and licking him. And and the other owner was kind of like trying to get the dog to come along and the dog would not move. Tara had her suspicions that this could be the dog that she'd been looking for. This could be Leo's dad. So she started to ask some questions. What kind of dog is he? Like, do you know his breed? And he said, no, he's a rescue. And I went, oh, that's so interesting. Have you had him long? And he goes, no, we've just had him for about four weeks. Uh, we re-rescued him. And I was like, that's so neat. Is there any way that he maybe could be from Texas? And the answer was yes. And he looked like I had just told him he had a child that he didn't know about. Um, and he was like, he was speechless because he had no idea that his dog Marvin was even a dad, that he even had any puppies. The two exchanged numbers and agreed to get together again with the dogs. Marvin's owner tweeted about the encounter, and New Yorkers ate it up. It was the feel-good story that they needed. We go to a local pet store. The woman at the pet store started talking about this this Twitter thread. And I was like, oh, that was Leo. And she was like, it was my dog. Our store's dog, Leo, reunited with his family. Like everyone was so invested in their story that it was really precious to be able to give people that joy trigger. And once the weather warmed up a bit, these Upper West Siders made a plan to reunite the dogs at Bull Moose Dog Run just outside the American Museum of Natural History. The night before the big day, they were buzzing with excitement. We were like, okay, what are the dogs wearing? Are the dogs wearing their jackets and their vests? Or are they just wearing their harnesses and their collars? Are we going makeup? Are we, are we getting blowouts for the dogs and the humans? On a Sunday, a dramatic scene unfolded as Marvin, Leo, and Murray reunited for the first time. I don't even know how to describe it. It is a meat cute to be honest, because we were at opposite ends of the park and Marvin, the dad, and Leo arrived first and they just both froze and kind of like spotted each other. And then, you know, we're pulling and tugging as we caught up and then 
Murray came later and you know Leo knows Murray Marvin hadn't seen Murray in a while and then it was just like an entanglement of dog leashes because they were inseparable to the average observer it probably seemed like three dogs playing nothing unusual but a closer inspection reveals the connections they all kind of do this like stand on their hind legs look at people from far away they all have the same floofy tails uh they all have this really weird open mouth smile when they're running really fast they all had the same bark when they barked it sounded like a unison tara has no doubt that these three dogs know they are related especially marvin the dad and leo they were surrendered together they were together i think for three months at the rescue together and they made the trek from texas to new york city together so they definitely recognize each other i can tell when we leave is when you know they know who they are because they all will whine and they'll keep looking back as we get further and further away it is meaningful to them, you know. Animals I think do have feelings and emotions and it's probably wonderful for them to be acclimated now in New York City but have this piece of home always with them. A country dog and his pups separated in Texas and reunited in the Big Apple by a group of city slickers. The movie just writes itself. Honestly, I don't know how this would happen anywhere else. Uh the joke is that Nora Ephron is looking down on us because you know we're on the upper west side we're in Riverside Park and this is truly something she would have written maybe this wonderful story will be turned into a movie someday and perhaps leo could play himself leo needs an agent quickly to be honest leo is truly a star Today we are going to unveil a new recurring segment I hope uh called the hydrant cuz here at Dog Podcast Network we have uh, Microsoft Teams and we have all sorts of ways for people in the team to talk to each other and we have this little group called Hydrant which is basically you know where we communicate fun ideas and little stories that we are sharing with one another and I thought we'd share it with you as well so this is our hydrant segment So Pam, what would you like to contribute to the fire hydrant? Well, I loved from segment 2 when Tara was talking about wanting a dog small enough to fit into a bag because in New York, if you want to take your dog on the subway, there's a law that says it has to fit into a bag. And some of these savvy New Yorkers with big dogs were getting those giant blue IKEA bags and cutting four holes in the bag <laughs> and then putting their very large dog in the IKEA bag with the legs sticking out of the holes and then holding the handles and then walking their dogs right onto the subway because technically their dog was in a bag. It's in a bag. <laughs> It doesn't matter how big the bag is that is hilarious. There are some great pictures of this online. Just search for, you know, New York IKEA dogs. <laughs> New Yorkers are very clever. They are. Well, here is my contribution to the fire hydrant. I am struck by a story that I saw about dogs and horses in Poland who are now going to get pensions. <laughs> so dogs and horses that work for the police department and you know they do all the things that dogs and horses do in other big areas, but these dogs are now going to get pensions. They are they're 1200 dogs, 60 horses who are currently in the service and now they are going to get money to make sure that 
in their retirement, they are well cared for. Oh, I love this.、Uh, why wouldn't they get a pension? They've worked hard. This is such. That's such a great story. That's a happy story. I'm happy about that. So those are a couple things in our hydrant. If you have any story ideas that you'd like to share with us, you can drop us an email or visit our voice mail service, and just go to dogedition.com and click on one of the links there. Oh, I love this segment. We're going to do it again next time. Yeah, we will. Well, that is pretty much all we have for this show. I want to thank you for bringing Dog Edition along with you on your walk today. We will be back with another episode next week, but chances are that you and your dog will be taking a walk between now and then, and we have something else for you to listen to. If you're interested in hearing more from some of our guests, please check out DPN's sister show, The Long Leash, for Jim's extended conversations. And subscribe or follow, which is really the new thing to say, to Dog Edition, so that you can take us along on your walk next time. We'll meet an enterprising teenager who is helping senior dogs get adopted. We'll also check out a family-friendly board game created for dog lovers by dog lovers. Sounds familiar, huh? Our kind of people. <laughs> dog Podcast Network is for dog lovers by dog lovers, and that means we want to hear from you. Visit dogedition.com. There's a button, as I said, at the bottom right of every episode page, so you can easily leave us a voicemail and share your stories with us. Or you can call our listener line one eight six six T A L K dog one eight six six talk dog, and check out the show notes for links and information about the guests on today's episode. We are looking for correspondents, probably foodies, as we grow this podcast network. So if you're a content producer, or a journalist, or a podcaster, or an audio storyteller who loves dogs, check out our hundred and one dog stories contest. With over fifteen thousand dollars in prize money, and come on and join our pack. Be sure to follow Dog Edition in your favorite podcast app and tell a friend about the show. I'm Pamela Lawrence, and I'll see you at the dog park. I'm James Jacobson, and I want to thank you again for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com/podcast.